Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Oh What A Time. Before the episode begins, this is a parental warning. This episode features a very frank and grown-up discussion about the origins of Father Christmas slash Santa Claus. So, consider this a warning. Don't listen with little kids around. I know you probably wouldn't anyway, but... Hey, there's the warning. It's out there now. Let's listen to the episode. Hello and welcome to Oh What A Time, uh, the show that tries to work out if the past was as rubbish as it seems. I'm Tom Crane. I'm Chris Gull. And I'm Ellis James. And this week we are talking about... Christmas! Merry Christmas, everyone! (laughs) Come in and let me see you better, man! That's um, Christmas Carol, by the way. That's not just a weird was, sentence. I was, nothing. Try, I was trying to think of a Christmas Carol court, and I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. You yeah. boy, but what we, year is yeah, this? But then we're clearly in synergy. <laughs> and I couldn't do it, but you could finish it off, Tom. I initially yeah. had Tiny Tim, who did not die, which is from A Muppet's Christmas Carol, <laughs> yes. actually. That's a lo- but that's a good thing. That's a nice yes, moment. Yes, absolutely. Clear, is, he did not it die. Is it was nice. a nice moment. Chris, you're wearing a Christmas jumper. I am. You're getting to the swing of it. A West Ham Christmas jumper that no one has referenced yeah. so far uh, this morning. But yeah, I love a Christmas jumper. We are. West Ham Christmas mixing love and hate. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> West Ham Christmas. <laughs> Two battling emotions. Uh, I refuse to get involved in Christmas jumpers. <laughs> now, you yeah. never wore one? No. no. I've been made to wear one on occasion for various content producing reasons. So I was once. Uh, competing in a Christmas quiz alongside Naga Manchetti and Adrian Childs and a choir and I was made to wear one then and I did so grudgingly and as soon as we stopped recording it was for five live I made, I instantly took the jumper off and I said never ever ever again you brought a can of petrol with yeah, you yeah. poured it never, the top ever ever again do you want to give a quick sort of edited version of the correspondence between Chris and you this morning read the Christmas jumpers obviously not using the word you use yeah 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 he said uh, oh because we're doing the Christmas episode today it's being filmed should we all wear Christmas jumpers and I said no because I'm not a and it was the worst word the English language <laughs> has to offer the kind of word if you hear your kids say you think I have failed as a parent yeah, it begins with C and it's not Christmas <laughs> it's not Christmas um, we, should, we should talk about what we're talking about this week which is the origin, uh, origins of Santa Claus history of Christmas carols why we put up Christmas trees and there's a fourth part which is one of my favourite Christmas tales the Christmas truce in World War One, which subscribers will get we, as Ellis has mentioned we are in filming this in real life we're in the same room today yeah first time First time recording this podcast in the same room. We're at the Spotify offices, and let me tell you, it is like recording at NASA. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is so modern. We've, we've all, we, each one of us has got a microphone, yeah, yeah. our we've, own microphone. We've all failed to make a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. I've been locked in the toilet. They have a, they the right pass. They have a fridge with a kombucha with CBD oil in it a full yeah. fridge a free I don't I mean I don't it's not not my sort of drink I went for water but the uh, <laughs> if I was that guy yeah oh yeah, yeah I yeah. love it an alternative dimension hippie Tom is out there now 
Oh, imagine hippie yeah, Tom in California. Fifth CBD kombucha of the day. Tech bro in his bare feet. <laughs> what a chilled out pod that would oh, be. Oh, yeah. So, um, as you say, there is an extra uh, subject at the end of this episode for people who want to subscribe. If you do want to subscribe, what else do you get, Chris, very briefly? Ad-free listening, a bonus episode every month, the fourth part of every episode, and episodes a week early. If you want to get involved, you can go to owatatime.com to see your options. or on another slice, Apple and Spotify, but go to owatatime.com to sign up and get become an Owatatime full-timer and get the maximum version of this podcast. Can you repeat all of the benefits, but we'll do it like you're announcing the team lineups at a football match. Okay, we've okay. got ad-free listening. Hey. <laughs> Bonus episode every month. Hey. Extended fourth part in every episode. Hey. And episodes a week early. Hey. Hey. It only costs four ninety nine. Four ninety nine, an absolute bargain. So today we're going to be talking about Christmas. We got a, a good episode. Are you, are you feeling Christmassy, or are you how are you feeling? Yes, presents have started to be purchased yeah um the weather has turned <laughs> you're doing this like a football manager in a pre-match <laughs> press conference how's how's training been this week yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's been good presents have been purchased weather's turned kids are excited and ultimately when it comes to your christian holidays you know your easters your whitsons your palm sundays this is this is the big one isn't it yeah so a bit of correspondence do you reckon to kick things off let's have some okay let's see right Last week, we were talking about Ellis and his Henry Hoover. Okay, mm. so we've had an email here from Jeff Williams. Hi, Jeff. He says, Hi, chaps. Love the podcast. Ah, oh, thanks, Jeff. Your chat about Henry Hoover was the peak of the podcast so far for me. <laughs> there you go. So, not the history stuff, just the chat about the fact that Ellis has a. <laughs> Henry Hoover is president is of he, America. Is, is that Jeff Williams at Henry Hoover. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very red-faced, smiley guy. Um, if you were to do a special on the history of Henry Hoover's, I don't know how we'd sustain that for an hour, but I like the idea, you could add the Royal Navy to the long list of prestigious long-term users of Henry. Quite an endorsement from the needlessly anal institution where cleaning is still used to make work for idle hands. Many mess decks have been sucked clean by Henry in the past. So he's saying that the Henry Hoover is the Hoover of choice. Yeah, it's a good Hoover. It is, a well. For the Navy? Yeah, apparently so. Which is testament to Henry's work ethic and resilience, given the amount of shit, piss and vomit. Unpleasant. Shall I change that to something nicer? <laughs> no, okay, fine. <laughs> that must have been absorbed by those carpets over the years. Henry is also used as a tool for punishment among the junior rates in the mess decks. Oh Long gone are the days of the cat on no nine tails. So here's a story. One of the ships that I stayed on, I stayed in a 42-man mess. We were quite a boozy bunch, resulted in many discrepancies ashore or in the safety of the ship and away from official punishments. One of the best methods of retribution was be to be duct-taped to a table in the mess... Okay, any idea where this is going? Oh, no. Uh, disrobed, and then with just the plastic tube of a Henry Hoover, have your willy hoovered for up to a minute at a time. A minute? <laughs> Much hilarity ensued, but the noise was curious as it sounded like the driest possible fart. I would love to say that it's the worst place sailors might have put their penises, but sadly that's not likely to be the case. Oh, I've since God. left the Navy, but long for those days. <laughs> Jeff, what's happening in your life now that you long for the days when you were strapped to a table and a Henry Hoover was... Oh, my God. Gaffer-taped. Gaffer-taped. So couple of questions here. First thing, we've been thoughts on the fact that Henry Hoover is the choice of Hoover for the Navy. And secondly, the, the, the threat of being duct, gaffer taped to a table. Imagine if you were under attack. 
Yeah. And I don't know, you're crouching under a table or something. <laughs> then you look to your left, there's just a smiling Henry Hoover next to you. You think to yourself, this isn't... I would think, well, it's not all bad. Henry's loving it. Yeah. Like, a yeah. lovely little smiling Hoover. Do the, Chinese, the do the Chinese, do the Russians, do they use Henry? No. Maybe they have a different type of Henry Hoover where you can swivel the face depending on what's happening at that point. So oh, yeah, if they perturbed. are under attack, you can swivel it and suddenly yeah. Henry looks slightly more concerned. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of giving the vibe that it should be felt on the ship at the point. What, instead of like a red alert bulb, yeah. you'd have a Henry Hoover that everyone could see. How's Henry looking? Yeah. He's worried. All right. I do agree. It doesn't seem like a serious enough hoover for a battleship, no, though, does it? No, you'd think they'd go Dyson, but it's very expensive, obviously, yeah. cutting costs. Exactly. And thoughts on the being strapped to the table thing and having your, your bits hoovered? I just think mine would come off. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like those, those kind of 18th century maritime punishments are infamously horrific so now if you you know if you put a foot wrong and you're getting sucked off by henry the hoover that's not that's, yeah, that's i mean not if as it's bad. I, if it's either or yes I would <laughs> yeah, take you, it. the whip or henry the hoover I'll but you know i mean in any other workplace you'd go to hr wouldn't you <laughs> okay next bit of correspondence as it's a christmas one it would be remiss of me to avoid um reading this one out here uh this is from a chap called alex who says dear tom chris and ellis after extensive research, I'm happy to say that the nativity in my house now contains a coffee table. It appears Mary and Joseph have hopped onto it to keep their precious bundle away from the camel, sheep and donkey photo attached. So there's an image of his little wooden nativity scene. And in the middle of it, sure enough, there's a tiny coffee table on which Mary and Joseph have hopped on with their little baby. Do you want to explain why we're talking about this, Al? Well, because whenever we discuss One Day Time Machine, the greatest feature in the history of world podcasting, the idea behind it is that you're able to go back to any day in history, any day of your choice. But I, I questioned this. I was like, in, in, what, in what sort of situation? Because are you a person? Are you a ghost? Are you a person that fits into the time? Are you a coffee table? Are you an inanimate object? Are you a pair of pre-cut wedgie pants? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you? What is the scenario we're discussing? So people have really, they've jumped on board with this. The amount of emails we get from people saying, oh yeah, well I would love to be, um, I would love to be a coffee table, but in Florence in about yeah. 1500. Or, yeah, in, I'm, I'm, I'm an, an Aboriginal coffee table in Australia about 10,000 years ago. <laughs> so it's very good to see that the coffee table has now finally uh, yeah. inhabited the nativity scene. Yes. Pre-coffee, would it just, it would just have been a table, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have been a coffee yeah, table. That's what yeah, people refer to, yeah, it, just yeah. as a table. You go back to Bethlehem, yeah, no one's drinking coffee. There's no prep knocking about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there we go. That's from Alex. He said, it appears your time machine worked perfectly. Great work, team. Thank you, Alex, for sending that in. Uh, appreciate that, especially for this Christmas show. Here's how the rest of you can get in touch with the show. All right, you horrible lot. Here's how you can stay in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at ohwhatatime.com and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ohwhatatimepod. Now, clear off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
All right, so we've got a Christmas episode for you. This week, I'll be telling you about the origins of Santa Claus. I'll be talking about putting up trees. And I will be talking about the history of the Christmas Carol. So, a um, bit of context. You guys know this, but let's just cover it for listeners. I'm the right person to be discussing this because yeah. I was the head choir boy of Bath Abbey Choir, oh. which meant for Christmas for me was nine lessons of carols. I'd sing that Christmas Eve. Yeah. On Christmas Day, two carol services. Whoa. Go in in the morning, come home, have lunch, eat my pre- open my eat my presents. <laughs> very confused child very strange rough diet uh, and then back to church for the uh, the second second service so was your voice breaking a big deal uh yes it was it well yeah, well, it was it a career I, ender? Was it like an yeah. ACL in the seventies? I remember it. I remember yeah. it. I remember uh, Alan Jones discussing his voice breaking on like Pebble Mill or something, <laughs> because obviously he was he had the mo- he was the most famous boy soprano yeah. in Britain. And his voice broke, and then he still he still carried on singing, but he didn't have... Yeah, he was never the he, same. He was he never the same player. He didn't have that pace anymore. Yeah. But for him, it was he more... to change his game. There was more of a financial impact, because he was releasing singles that were going to number one. He's also not the singer on the single. What? Whereas he's not, that's a good point. Yeah, he's yeah. not the singer on... on what, Rocky on Snowman? Yeah, yeah, no, everyone thinks not. it's him, and it's not. It's Noddy Holder. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I got paid at £12 every three months to sing in Bath Abbey Choir. not enough. Rehearsing Tuesdays, Fridays, two services on a Sunday. That's not enough. £12 every three months for 4, 8, 12, 16 shifts, that is, a month. So 16 times 3, altogether now, is 36, 12. I can't work it out. 48? It's less than a pound. 48. It's less than a pound a session. Yeah, so there you are. So that's and what didn't I got you record paid. an album as well? I just remember I we're did release Spotify. albums, And that yes. album is on Spotify. That album is on Spotify. Uh, that's oh, by a chap called Adrian Snell. Uh, uh, I can't remember what the album's called, but you can look that up. Um, I also did the Songs of Craze Christmas special. That's my other big oh, what year. Carol. What year was this? That was in about 1992, and I had to walk down Peak the praise. middle of the. Uh, <laughs> no, I had to. They, I had to walk down the middle of the Abbey. The Abbey being 2,000 people in there, filmed for Songs of Praise with this little candle at the start of the service and I kept laughing and I kept blowing out the candle and they kept going right we need to reset the shot come on and they'd reset the crane everyone would have to go back and after about the fourth they'd time reset the crane is that you <laughs> <laughs> so they called you people were genuinely annoyed so <laughs> couldn't stop laughing couldn't stop blowing out this candle but anyway to... when we, we started doing stand up together at the same time <laughs> yeah. in Cardiff all gigs must have been an enormous anti-climax yeah because you performed to 2,000 people. When you've ripped it up to 2,000 yeah. middle-aged white people. When you've ripped it on Songs of Praise 1992. <laughs> That's Christmas in, special. But that would have been watched by millions. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. A, you know, a four-channel age Absolutely. on the main channel at Christmas as well. If you're going to watch our Songs of Praise, it's going to be the Christmas one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. They cut out me blowing out the candle, by the way. That, well, by that's by the time it had gone to the edit and gone to air, yeah. that had been removed. And that would really be... nailing that walk. I would be able to find that on the BBC Redux. You probably could. And if you do, send it to me. So that is my, that's my oh, background. Oh, wow, got to get it. Oh, We've wow. got to get it. That's one for the Instagram feed if you can get it. Indeed. So that was my chorister background. Um, but the history of uh, Christmas carols obviously goes way back before my time. They were a long time. You invented the carol. I did not invent the carol, though a lot of people who watch that program probably assumed that kids probably been instrumental in the carols invention. Um, so I'll take you back to the beginning. The carols were first sung in Europe thousands of years ago, but these initially weren't Christmas carols. They were pre-Christian pagan songs sung at the winter solstice uh, at celebrations such as Saturnalia 
which honoured the agricultural god of Saturn and is said to be the source of many of the traditions we have for Christmas now, such as wreaths, candles, feasting and gift giving. We've got a wreath up. Have you really? On the front door. Oh, nice. It's a very classy touch, actually. Is it the same wreath yes. every year or mm, new one? Uh, I, I would have to ask Izzy that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not in charge of wreaths. <laughs> But every time I see it, it's been up since December the 1st, I think to myself, that is a classy touch. Yeah. When you returned yeah. home, how, how involved in the wreath purchase were you? Was it a situation you all. came home from work and you went, oh, we got a wreath? <laughs> not, not even that. I assumed I'd walked to the wrong front door. <laughs> and checked. And went back out to the street. It was like, no, no, I definitely this is definitely my house. <laughs> Family laughing and joking in the front room. Oh, they're yeah. so lucky. What a yeah, lovely yeah, family yeah. they are. <laughs> God, they seem to be nice and sorted, don't they? So historians believe that these old midwinter songs uh, were basically written and exist to keep up people's spirits during the hard winter months. So, Ellis, to give you an idea, you're, you're living in a mud hut in Wales in medieval times. It's so yeah. cold your breath is freezing the moment it hits the air. Yeah. How much is the promise of singing a little carol going to pick up your spirits during those long months? Um... Nowadays, not at all, yep. but I can imagine it working, especially yeah. if they're religious because you thought that there was a higher power at work, at play, and I think that people got a lot of um, comfort from that. I mean, as a slightly cynical man in 2023, not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if our, our, our boiler broke last winter... And if Izzy had said, it's fine, we can just sing carols until the plumber turns up, I'd have been like, I don't, I, no, we're not going to be doing that though, are we? You know, like uh, people write, I feel like people write pop songs now specifically for Christmas because they know if it's decent enough, it'll get airplay all over the world yep. every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that was the case even back then? Like, well, if you've got a really good little tune on your hands here, don't just make it a generic hymn. Save that bad boy for Christmas, because that'll get here. That'll, yeah, that'll be the, in the church. The, the, the Noddy Holder year. approach. Noddy Holder has a great January. This is pre PRS. <laughs> when the check clears. <laughs> this is pre PRS. When was PRS? This was years ago? pre Christmas celebrations. So this, these were carols that were non religious, related to solstice, celebration, all this sort of stuff, or maybe the god of agriculture, but they weren't Christian carols, okay? So. This was kind of the initial form that carols had until the 14th century when um, Franciscan friars produced the first Christian carols. So these were the first carols to sing about Jesus and his birth. But even these carols weren't like what we hear today. So they were monophonic, which meant that they only had one melody song, melody line. There was no harmony whatsoever. Just everyone sang the same tune at the same time. They could be attached to any season. So they had May carols, harvest carols. They weren't Christmas carols like that. They weren't, they were just winter, they were seasonal carols. And the big one, this is the big difference, um, much like the pagan carols of old, they were performed as part of a dance. So everyone would link hands, stand in a circle, and dance around in a circle while singing the carols. I'd be trying to work out if I'm sad that that's gone from Christmas carols today. I think I'd need a few sort of goblets of communion wine to really get into it on Christmas Day if I went to church or whatever. We used or would to, you find it mortifying? Well, we used to do country dancing at school. Yes. in which is folk dancing in Welsh. Did you used to do that? At your I school? did. Yeah, we've talked about this. I was a fool. Did you, <laughs> did you do it at your school? Do you think they did country <laughs> dancing in East London? Do you think they did any kind of like performative dance? No. Did you do break dancing? No, we had a, a winter's run over what like was a some marsh. Like you had to do uh, cross country. 
Yeah. Like every that was the big thing in January. Marshy freezing, oh like wearing a rugby shirt. It was awful. I hit it. Down there you are, just dancing. As to why these dancers uh, died out, I did some research and this made me laugh. There's a guy called Professor uh, Ronald Hutton, who's a, uh, an expert in this era. He just simply believes that people have got bored with it. That's all he's written. <laughs> just that's all he, people just got bored of the dancing. Yeah. So that's why it stopped. But I like that because it's just a human thing. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> that was rubbish. It was rubbish then. It's rubbish now. And we're going to stop. So um, these carols soon spread um, across Europe to France, Germany, Spain, and other European countries. They first appeared in English in 1425 in a text by John Audley, a Shropshire chaplain who lists 25 carols of Christmas, probably sung by uh, groups of wassailers who went from house oh, to house. Now, wassailers were the original carol singers. That's yeah, what they were. I oh, love really? a good wassail. Yeah. Well, get this. When I was a child, I was in Bath, I'd be quiet. Every Christmas Eve, I would go carol singing. Just me, just me and my next neighbour, Miles, and Miles was on his tuba. (laughs) It was just the two of us. (laughs) So it was me and a tuba knocking on people's door. (laughs) 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 You can barely hear me. It's so loud. So loud, right by my ear. Just like genuinely startled Nate. Oh, God, they're back again. (laughs) Wind instruments. Yeah. Are so loud, so loud when you're near them, and the I tuba was, is the loudest I of was, them. I was at I was at university with a bloke, and his girlfriend, when we were in halls, left him. He'd already been going out with her for a couple of weeks. He was a bit upset, a bit miffed, <laughs> but he saw the funny side. He was a trumpeter. Yeah, he went outside her room and he played the last post. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only when you're in a sort of corridor, a halls of residence, you realise how loud a trumpet is. Well, the tuba is a double trumpet. The the death knell of the relationship. <laughs> was that when they split up, do you think? <laughs> By the reign of Elizabeth I in the 16th century, carols started to get more sophisticated. They were no longer monophonic. monophonic. They started to include harmony. And important composers like William Byrd, who is considered one of the greatest composers of the Renaissance, he ran, wrote songs for Christmas such as... What's that, sorry? Billy Bird. Billy Bird. He wrote um, Carol for Christmas in 1589. And Thomas Tallis, you may have heard of Thomas Tallis. He was an important composer. He wrote the Polyphonic Christmas Mass for religious performance around the same sort of time. And things were really starting to gather pace in the carol world. Things were getting, it was, you know, it was a hot time. And then suddenly, and this is a big but, in 1647, the Puritans came to power in England. Christmas was banned and the singing of carols was banned. Mad. So suddenly, at a point, the carols were People were getting into them. All of a sudden, the Puritans came in under Cromwell and was like, no, no more of that. No Christmas, no carol singing. Um, How do you feel about the idea that Christmas just suddenly being banned? The idea of explaining that to your kids, going, by the way, you know you you thought you were about to get presents. I couldn't even joke about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try it tonight. I'll say, do you know they banned Christmas? And then the joke will fall flat, and then I'll pretend I never said it. It's one of those. It's one of those few lessons I vividly remember from school: being told that Cromwell banned Christmas. Yeah. Being a kid and going, "What? Yeah." I mean, there's loads of reasons to dislike Cromwell, but that one sticks with me. Like, yeah, you yeah. You ban- what kind of dickhead are you? Ban Christmas. Yeah. Imagine that. You know the best time of the year? That's yeah. gone now. Yeah, that's gone. And I'm also banning barbecues in the <laughs> summer. <laughs>
Okay, spirit of full disclosure, we're recording this on December the 6th. Question for you both. Have you got your trees up? Yeah, I would go late November, but you know my brother-in-law does. He cling films his Christmas tree on like the 30th of December, wraps it all up with the decorations in place. It's fake one, obviously. Gets it down from the loft, uncling films it, and it's all done. So he never... And he's and every year he posts it on Instagram, like, look look what I've done. I've saved myself half an hour. That there. is one of the most loveless things I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. <laughs> it is the most... That is not the spirit of Christmas. No. The thing about the putting the decorations on the tree is like it's the, the act uh, of doing it is Christmassy. Yeah. 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 Microwavable meal on Christmas Day. <laughs> we... My, so my dad was always trying to save money just constantly in, in every part of his life two christmas trees that stick in my mind one we had a fir tree in our garden outside and i woke up like one christmas about a week before and the top of the fir tree was missing it'd gone <laughs> so it rather than coming to a point it just stopped midway through and dad had just gone out and just chopped the top of the tree and then went downstairs and sure enough that was in the bucket in the corner of the house and the yes. other one was when to save money he bought he just cut down some holly a massive holly bush from the garden and put that in the corner for christmas for our christmas tree and it was genuinely painful getting our presents i remember <laughs> trying to go under and get to and like ow, oh, oh, like people jet pain having to reach under just getting prodded poked in the eye and just horrendous generally unpleasant christmas <laughs> you had to decide whether you really wanted the gift or not whether it was worth it <laughs> knowing the top standard of gifts that my family would give is like do i really am i going to risk going under that and the first present was uh, some gardening gloves Oh, that was the last present. <laughs> that was the last, yeah, absolutely. It was a nightmare. The peak of domestic Christmas decoration was in the early 1990s yeah. when every bit of the living room, the hall, it was all decorated, very tinsel-based. I actually think tinsel's gone slightly out of fashion. Yeah, yeah. it has, actually. Absolutely. I love it, though. I'm a fan of it. I really like that sort of old-school nostalgia. I like the cheap Essexy Christmas decorations. Like, in my family home when I was growing up, you'd have those those little tinfoil, you know, Christmas decorations oh, yeah. that hang from the ceiling and form yeah, a nice yeah, little yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah. And the really cheap tinsel that sometimes yeah. fly off and get in your mouth. Yeah. What do you have on the top of your tree? Uh, fairy. Oh, classic. Yeah, nice. Like, okay. quite a naff-looking fairy. And then, yeah. And everyone I knew growing up had naff-looking fairies. What, yes, what it was yeah. a fairy, I think. Yeah. We have whoever the current Prime Minister is. <laughs> I think it's respectful, really. <laughs> Whoever they are, whether you agree with them politically, they're they're doing their best for the country. Um, because you know, I when I think of the early 1990s, I was sort of I was ten in 1919. Yes, that's absolutely how I remember it. There was yeah. actually a street in Carmarthen where every house, like in The Simpsons, would the works outside yeah, on the I roof. Love that I love that. People would people would turn up. There were collection boxes. Yeah. Mainly to pay for electricity bills, not to pay, not to go to charity. It was, it was great. It was lovely. And you know the the silver Christmas tree as well, rather yep. than the rather than the green one. That's something I remember. Fake snow. Some people yeah, getting involved. Yeah, of fake snow. Fake snow on the on the windows, the, the works. Um, but that was that's very much a product of sort of post-war Christmas habit. Right. So you did have early examples appearing of Christmas decorations in department stores in the 1930s, but the austerity of the pre-war and war years put widespread take-up on hold. 
because people were skint, so they couldn't afford to completely decorate their houses. Interesting. So oh. it was far, it was far more austere. It was far more low key. So the 1920s had seen multicolored paper streamers and pop up paper Christmas trees put in the middle of the dinner table, but nothing quite as fanciful as you got after the war. But this was all a far cry from the concept of Christmas decoration that prevailed about a century earlier when holly, when your hollies, your ivies <laughs> and your mistletoes were the mainstays and those caught cutting down too many holly trees to sell at a market were liable to arrest and prosecution. Oh really? Gotta say this straight off the off the bat, mistletoe is creepy. Do you think? If you're <laughs> poisonous. Taking mistletoe to a party, you are bad. You're a Do bad uncle. Do that still? I think they definitely did. Yeah. Have you ever had a kiss under mistletoe? No. No. I think I have once. Oh yeah. Yeah, at a Christmas party. Oh yeah, who with? It was. I, I was about twenty or something. <laughs> what, like a chronic Christmas movie? Like, oh, there's some mistletoe. Shall we? Yeah, it was. A, it was a bit really? like that. Yeah, yeah. It was. I, I, I think it was someone I was dating. It was my. Fr- yeah, it was, she, it was, was she a uh, big fan of songs of praise? Was, <laughs> <laughs> it was Are songs you of praise the rap party? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the Groucho Club, actually. <laughs> London's yeah, West End. It was coincidentally there. We hadn't taken it. I wasn't sort of thinking, oh, it I'm was at the this is my opportunity. No. All oh, right. It was an out, out, probably underwhelming uh, festive Christmas house party. But it was there and we thought, oh, we'll have a little peck. Nothing too much, just enough. <laughs> no just tongues. Enough to, uh, well, so to the tongues? The lips. And no, um, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I guess so, knowing me. <laughs> As is my way. <laughs> I'm not averse. <laughs> Obsessed with kissing. Obsessed with kissing. Christmas, I call it. That's what I call it. Anyway. If you go around to Tom's house at Christmas, there is mistletoe absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, look at that. There's a bit of mistletoe there. No, we're not kissing. Downstairs toilet, the attic, nowhere is safe. You open the fridge to get the milk out, there's there's mistletoe dangling in there. Nowhere is safe. Yeah, so it's, 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 there's uh, 3,000 pots of lip salve. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And there's mistletoe Above everywhere. the cat litter. <laughs> Mouthwash everywhere. <laughs> now, talking about um, cutting down too many holly trees to sell at a market, one man from Brentford was sent down for three months for exactly this in 1819. And for decades, the Met Police were tasked with protecting gardens at Christmas time from those with a pair of secateurs and an eye on taking some trimmings. Can wow. you imagine that? Three months. What? What tree thieves? There must there must have been people going up to the Met Police saying, "Have you not got murders to solve?" <laughs> yeah, arresting the holly thief over there, putting him inside. Does it say how many he'd cut down for that three months? Or? Unfortunately, not. No. Okay, that's remarkable though. Now the Christmas tree, usually a fir, which is now such a central part of domestic winter decoration, didn't begin to become popular in Britain. Guess what? Until the second half of the nineteenth century. Wow. Again, much later than I'd anticipated. As the aristocracy, the middle classes, and finally the working classes all adopted the habits and the traditions of the royal family, which were largely German traditions that had been present in the royal household long before Prince Albert arrived. So Victoria and Albert do get the credit for turning the tree from an exclusive or foreign phenomenon, limited to palaces and German enclaves, into one that was a regular domestic custom all over Britain, even in Scotland, despite the apparent ban on Christmas. Simultaneous adoption of the Christmas tree in the US, similarly from Germany, saw the publication of children's volumes, such as Chris Kringle's Christmas Tree in Philadelphia in 1845, and from a New York City firm called Thompson & Weller, the sale of small items for Christmas trees. So that is decorations, baubles, 
um, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you would recognise today. Also, like sugar craft, which included birds, animals, insects, fruits and vegetables. Ah. Some little treats. Oh, that's nice. And then, of course, you've got the lights. Now, our lights, you've got the light on constant, and then you've got the flashing version. Who is putting that on? <laughs> My son. And you've got the ones in the public <laughs> health advert that burn down the tree. Yeah, yeah. You've, got, you've gone for those ones. And then, random, uh, flashing, but random. It's so intense. So intense. They're the ones the kids like. And as soon as they've left the room, I turn that off because it's. It, well, you just go constant. I would always go constant. Yeah, I love a bit. Of, of course, flashing. no, no. The flashing, erratic you flashing are. is awful. Erratic <laughs> flashing is the sort of thing I imagine else. a sort of police state uses to get information out of people. Yeah. they lock you in a room it's and they torture. put it on the erratic. It's torture. It stresses exactly you out. I can't. It's the inconsistency of it. Yeah, I'm I exactly cannot stand. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It genuinely stresses me out. I walk into the room if if it's flashing. I just go, can everyone calm down? <laughs> one thing with Christmas trees that I always get wrong is every year I go don't worry I can carry this home and then about halfway through the walk home I'm like this is the most pain I've ever (laughs) been in every year I'm like it's fine I can carry it and I, I and then you're stuck in a no man's land between your you can't it's too short a distance to then get a cab, so I've got to stick going, despite the fact that I know this means that I'm going to need physio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every year I do it. And then finally, by the 70s, Christmas lights were sufficiently cheap and plentiful that domestic customers could go wild, Chris Skull style, yeah. uh, creating vivid displays, not only lit up their houses, but their gardens as well. Yeah. And then the race obviously was on to be the biggest and the best and the first. And so that would lead to complaints of people saying, oh, you put your Christmas lights up too early. Oh, because uh, people wanted to get in quick. Yeah, I like Christmas more than you. That's really interesting. It's really festive, isn't it? <laughs> I actually like it more than you, and I'm first. <laughs> I'm more festive than you can ever yeah. be. So, do you decorate the front of your house? Do you do that no, stuff? God. You've got a wreath. Just that's a wreath. It. Got a wreath. I can imagine your house has got like a a light up reindeer in the garden. Light up or candy canes up yeah. the path in no, front of my you house. Don't. I Merry have Christmas, nineteen eighty-five. On the, roof. the front of uh, my dad. My dad. This was is saying, true. Yeah, this is true. You have Growing light up, up candy canes. Yeah, light up candy canes down the path, like the, the front of my house. Big, massive white windows. I've got a garden full of inflatable Christmas things. A snowman. Santa with his rain Chris, a light up deer, a light. I've got an inflatable Christmas tree in the garden. Chris, if you ever become a millionaire, <laughs> you will be Britain's worst person. <laughs> I'll be like that guy who won the lottery. You're the lotto lout, Michael <laughs> Carroll. <laughs> Chris Skull is the lotto lout. <laughs> All right, now we're going to get into the, the origins of Father Christmas. This is your second warning, Mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right? Okay, let's get into it. I'm here to talk about Santa Claus. Woo-hoo! Was he invented by Coca-Cola, yes or In no? In the 1930s, yes. yes. He was like a green little weird sort of elf. Mm, for, a, for a spirit that. competition, let's go no. Coca-Cola did not invent Santa Claus. Yes. He was, um, he's been using their advertising since the early 1930s, but images of Father Christmas as the bright red, the red, white-bearded, jolly old soul yep. predate that. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's my uh, 
Grinchy sort of pub <laughs> Christmas fact out the window. Destroyed. <coughs> actually invented my car. Yeah, actually invented my Coca Cola. So it's a sort of celebration of extreme cap- turbo capitalism. Actually, In- Merry Christmas. Is that a bit of mil- mistletoe? <laughs> is it true that when Santa Claus came down your chimney to your house, he went, he looked around, and went, "This is a bit much." Is that what you were- <laughs> Yeah, so here's what my dad used to do. Like, I've got a lot of my obsessiveness about Christmas from my dad, and my dad used to do some crazy stuff. Like, my house growing up was decked out with loads of Christmas stuff, just like I have done. But what my dad would do on Christmas morning was we had a loft, like, and he would, you know, one of those loft hatches. Yeah. He would kick that off. There'd be a ladder down. And then he would get muddy boots and print muddy boots through oh, the house. Oh, wow. So when I woke up as a kid, I was like, oh my god a farmer's bee (laughs) (laughs) and my dad would come out and go like what's happening oh that's so cool i love that and you're like well my dad's flipping out so how can how can santa claus not be real because he's the geese is treading mud right for our house So um, the Santa that Coke's advertisers developed at that time was a composite figure. And this is what's kind of really interesting about the various traditions and elements of Father Christmas, Santa Claus. They're a composite of all these different legends and stories that all come together to form the Santa Claus and that story we all know now. Um, Most people and the Coke advertisers, like most people attribute the main kind of character of Santa Claus comes from a, an 1822 poem that was written allegedly by Clement Clark Moore. There's all this, there's a whole other episode in whether he actually wrote this poem. Yep. The poem is Twas the Night Before Christmas. Love it. Beautiful piece. Do you remember it? Twas, do, Twas the Night Before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. It's a lovely, lovely Beautiful. poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moore, who wrote, who's attributed to writing the poem, was a native of New York City, born there in 1779. He was the son of an Anglican bishop. And now there is debate about whether he or not he wrote it, but it is agreed the poem came out of New York, and therefore Santa Claus and his reindeer are New Yorkers. There's They're a New case. Yorkers. They're oh New Yorkers. my god! New York always feels to me like quite a Christmassy place. <laughs> So that brings yes. me some comfort knowing he's um, a bit of an urban. Like L.A., not a Christmassy place. Yes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. flying here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what New Yorkers are? Uh, <laughs> they could fly. A few years after the poem was published, the New York Constellation released an article telling readers outside of New York City about a custom which generally prevails in the city. This is the custom in, in yeah. New York. The custom was that of Santa Claus. On Christmas Eve, stockings are hung by the chimney in the hope that a good-natured saint will come down and fill them with nuts, cakes, and sweet meats, but only if they've been good. Ah. That element comes out of New York City. That's a that's a tradition in the New York. Yeah, in, in New York. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's great parenting. What a great parenting tool. I mean, I, yes. I mean, we've got bang into the naughty elf as well. And uh, I t- as a parental device, it is fantastic yes. this time of year. So useful. Kids not brushing their teeth, not getting their pajamas on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fannying about in the morning. Yeah, you yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the elf's here this month. Yeah. Get whatever you need done. It's terrible parenting, or but it works. Just football manager style. You're trying to assert your authority. <laughs> yeah. They're not even doing anything wrong. <laughs> Just bring you wake them up in. in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. How deeply are you sleeping? You better be sleeping deeply. Yeah. Shaking, shaking them awake. <laughs> you know, that elf is checking your behaviour. <laughs> Think on. Think on. Washing up's not done. <laughs> do you do the naughty elf? I've said that you need to be well behaved to get uh, Christmas presents. I've never used the naughty elf. I yeah. also don't do elf on the shelf. I don't okay, actually yeah, know no, what we elf don't do on that. the shelf Well, it's is. the same thing, isn't it? 
I think it's the same, isn't it? Elf on the Shelf, Naughty Elf, the same. Uh, Are they? Same yeah. guys, yeah. Okay. Oh. What, so, so the Elf on the Shelf is observing children for their behaviour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Didn't do that in Wales in the 90s. <laughs> I know Elf on the Shelf's only been around. I don't, I've only been aware five years? of it. Yeah, five years. We like use more well, the, the threat of the prison system, uh, and how quickly things can spiral, and you can find yourself banged up with some very dangerous yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so very easily that can happen. And then we yeah. make them watch Shawshank, and how even innocent men can go down. <laughs> Does work. They've yet to be fair. He's yet to commit a crime. Yeah, of yeah, any, yeah. Of any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of any real sort of significance. Significance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the constellation goes on to explain this is a sort of pleasant de- deception played by mm. parents on their children. Explain the constellation, and it, I mean, that's it, isn't it? It still goes, still continues to this day. Another New Yorker who remembers this name: writer Washington Irving. Oh yes, yes. yeah. Born in Manhattan in 1783, he added an extra twist. In his version, published in 1809, St. Nicholas came riding over the rooftops in a wagon as he set about delivering presents to children. Washington Irving is responsible for that part of the legend. Well, well, well. Wow. Yeah. You see how it's all kind of coming together? What person Washington Irving was. Incredible. Uh, But if you look for Santa Claus in Britain before the 19th century, you're not going to find a thing. Santa Claus was not part of the Christmas festival. Instead, in the British tradition, he was known as Old Father Christmas. Ah, that old father—it's weird, isn't it? Actually, now I think about it, he's got a lot of names. Yeah, Father Christmas is what I knew him as. He's Father Christmas in our house. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's what he is. Yes, I think I would say Father Christmas. Which one say in Welsh? Hen Dad Nadolig. Hind and Dolly, the old, yeah, the old father, because I would say Sean Conn more than Hind oh, and Dolly. That's a sort of direct translation. Sean Conn is Sean or John with a big cone head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he's Sean, his first name? Yeah. Is that what he's known as? Sean. Is that what his Father Christmas's name is? Yes. Sean. Well, it can't be. Sean. Sean Christmas. He's not a Sean. <laughs> Sean Christmas. Are you sure? Yes. Why? Sean. That's Sean weird. Christmas. Oh, well, Sean, Sean, Sean. So, Sean, if, if, if you wake up and Father Christmas is laying presents, you should go, all right, Sean. You go, all right. Go back yeah, to Sean with a big, big corn hat. Yeah, and but the Santa's red costume uh, was the work of American illustrator and cartoonist Thomas, Thomas Nash, who first drew Santa Claus this way for the magazine Harper's Weekly in the 1870s, oh. 60 years before Coca-Cola were kind of drawing. I wonder where that... Time. Coca-Cola rumour came from then because that's quite widely it's it's pre- a, pre-internet it's the kind of thing you could say and yeah but everyone was saying it <laughs> I was I was ruining a lot of Christmas <laughs> shindigs by saying yeah. it uh, that illustrator Thomas Nash also came up with the idea that Santa lived at the North Pole that he also lives in several different places Lapland La- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 where does Sean live? <laughs> Just in the hostel. Milton Keynes. <laughs> the halfway house above the pub. <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this Christmas episode. If you are not a subscriber, if you want to be a subscriber, you get the fourth part to this episode, which is on the Christmas truce of World War One. And we love our subscribers because they are the people who will eventually allow Chris to live his dream and fill not just the front garden, but the back garden with Christmas tat. (laughs) 
But generally, uh, happy Christmas to everyone's listening. Thank you so much to all the support of the show as well. Whether you're a subscriber or you're not a subscriber, we love you all. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Merry, yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Indeed. I hope, you sh- I hope that Sean brings you nice things <laughs> this year. <laughs> and that you have a happy season. We'll see you next week if you're not a subscriber. And if you're a subscriber, we'll see you now. <laughs>